are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, once again, it's Mr. Kevin Derso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. So uh, I, I notice you're wearing the USA hockey gear. Do you want to kick it off with uh, with the Olympics? I thought we could just throw that in at the end because we are going to take a break after this week for a little, and that was more of my closing, more than Fair my enough. opening. Well, you know, that's fine. Then we'll start with... I feel with... like we don't want to bury the lead this week with a couple of important items that you know have some I... underlying meaning to them, I guess is the best way to put it. I think the Olympics always get themselves at or near the top of the ticket, but uh, I get what you're saying, and we'll start I think with... The, I think the Olympics would matter more if it was the way that it was intended to be, you know, like... Fair enough. I can only imagine, I can only imagine what the rosters would have looked like if they would have been able to send over... Per, like NHL players, I, I like. Let's just would have been so much the, fun. The men's tournament hasn't started yet. It doesn't really get. I think it gets started on Thursday this week. Like it's it's a very clear, and I think that was designed on purpose because of the original plan to send said players over. Because if this weekend was All Star Weekend, you could theoretically have a player get named to the All Star game, participate through Saturday, and still, I guess, get. I, I think maybe get him over there. Or I don't know if it would have worked that way, but. I think they just had those extra days built in so that after play stops for the All-Star break, players can get to China and, you know, start going through well, that I, whole process. Well, that's what I mean. I'm saying, like, but I don't know if that's how it would have worked either because I think there were a lot of – I think there was a lot of quarantine rules for that type of stuff. So maybe it would have been to be able to separate the players who were going from whatever happened with the All-Star game. Well, right. That's then, what I'm saying. And then to also let everybody else who was not part of – one or either event to just kind of coast into take a what nice was fat vacation what was supposed to be a two and a half week break yep. you know so so right now that i mean like right cancun for the, a lot of those guys probably or something like that um so so only the women's teams are playing right now and, and quite frankly you know we'll, we'll talk more about it when we get to that sec this section of the show but quite frankly if we can just fast forward to monday night that would be great like <laughs> To get yeah, to the real true. two teams that everybody wants to see play each other that have continuously been the tops of women's hockey. <laughs> like, it, it, it's pretty obviously obvious who the two alphas are in the uh, group. Yeah, there's know, not a whole group. lot of competition in that tournament, except for that so one far. game. <laughs> well, so far, I mean. Well, and I, look, I can't say that for every other. I haven't seen what the scores are for other games, like, as these teams play each other. Right. Like, it's very clear that U.S. and Canada have quite the upper hand in the in that tournament yes so, you know d- judging by also the betting odds i believe which were like two minuses for the u.s and canada and and massive pluses for everybody else if you think that somebody from europe or something is going to defeat one of these two powerhouses then doesn't seem particularly likely right 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 so um but yeah, we'll jump in with uh, the big local story with, here. Do we want to start with the actual last game going into the break and, I guess, chronologically move through? Or do we want to not let's, very late? Let's the hit big the big story, story first. Because like we said, Which you know. the big story? There's two. <laughs> I think the big story is Claude Giroux wins All-Star MVP. Okay, that's a good place to start. Okay. So as start previously with, mentioned, Claude Giroux wins the All-Star game MVP. Start with recency bias. Let's get it. Yeah, let's absolutely. Going, you know? It did just happen on Saturday afternoon. So yeah. So did you get a chance to watch the games? And uh, we'll talk about the skills competition in a little bit. But did you watch yeah. the games on Saturday afternoon? More of them than I expected to, to be honest. I mean, there wasn't. Let's put it this way: it is kind of smack in the middle of a weekend when there's not a whole lot going on. I mean, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, from a local angle. So 
the Sixers played on Friday night and then didn't have anything on Saturday. And the Sixers played actually on ESPN after the skills competition. Okay. So, honestly, there were a lot of people who I think flipped over ahead of that game to, you know, whenever you flip over. Yeah, it was lead-in programming. Well, no, but whenever For you sure. flip over, it, it might be quarter of, 10 of, whatever. Like, And the game schedule just started about 10 o'clock, I think is what it was. You know, something in that range. And the finishing moments of the skills competition would have still been on if you flipped over at 9.45, 9.50. Right. So, but that's the only, like, there's there's no, obviously, like, scan around the rest of the sports world. The NHL was, has been off since Thursday to put this event in place and then is spending what was originally going to be the Olympic break to make up games that got postponed. It's basically that. It's not like they've moved a bunch of games around and said, we're trying to... I mean, they did it with a few, but I don't think they did it with a whole lot where you're filling out the schedule. Right. So it's mostly makeup games. So if your team didn't get postponed a whole lot, you got a lot of downtime. Um, we obviously know where football is right now because it's, you know, this weekend is not the Super Bowl. It's next weekend. And, you know, the Pro Bowl is also, ironically enough, also in Las Vegas where the NHL All-Star game was. But the Pro Bowl game itself, like I think they did the skill stuff over the portion of the weekend where the NHL stuff was going on. But they the lagged game, one day behind the NHL. The NHL right, the did skills on Friday, games game on Saturday. Right. The, the NFL game, did skills on Saturday, game on Sunday. Or at least they televised the skills on Saturday. Because some of that stuff looked like it was done recorded at night. So they definitely filmed quite a lot of that beforehand. Right. And, I, and so either way, so the Pro Bowl is on Sunday. So again, and, and, and again, that's like barely the appetizer to what's coming next week like not nearly as many people are gonna go crazy over the pro bowl as they are hey wait you know the pro bowl is a we, trash event we got bet we got you know the bengals playing the rams next week you know and that's the game that everybody's gonna tune into obviously and then you know all it takes is a quick look at twitter to see what the uh what major league baseball is locked into which is oh, all of the off the field, off of the playing surface type of stuff that nobody wants to talk about. And we so, thought Brad Marsh and chirping about escrow was bad. Sure. But either way, so was there exactly a whole lot else on at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon no. to kind of focus on? Not really. I mean, you know, I don't know about where you are. It's kind of cold here this weekend. Uh, the Central Illinois is under about a foot of snow. Okay, well, we don't have that. We did get that. Wednesday into Thursday. I see. We got that last weekend. That was our Friday into Saturday. Yeah, because um, that was our our big thing, and it wasn't like it was for most people. It wouldn't be something that would be considered massive by any stretch. It wasn't a foot. I can tell you that. But it was enough that it derails a lot of people in this area from doing much of anything because it's a lot for us, I guess. You know, or a lot for most people in this area. Not to mention the fact that I think we got more than what was actually forecast yeah we ended up um the the official forecast for us ended up being around five to eight and we ended up with about 12 okay that makes that's about where we were then because we i think yep. we were projected at two to four last weekend and ended up with about six to seven you know so there you go either way um all right back to the actual okay. games oh, um, well, basically no, but basically there wasn't a whole lot on otherwise so you know might as well you know exactly it's not exactly an event anymore like I, I remember in years when i first started doing this type of stuff you'd sit down i'd sit down i'd watch it every year i had to watch the skills competition i had to watch the all-star game and it wasn't like it wasn't just had to watch it but like i would sit there and 
want to tweet out stuff during the skills competition tweet out stuff during i mean i think i sent three tweets during the all-star game yesterday because of the, and it was all centered around what claude Giroux did like hey first game just ended or he's or hey look he scored a goal because he scored the third goal of the first game yeah second goal for the metro but the third goal overall so you're like kind of right away going like oh all right he's playing like, look he scored a goal and it's relatively early so he's not, it's not like it's not like he's scoring a late goal that doesn't really mean much to the final he's he, He's contributing the to the game. Right. So, okay. And then I, I think I threw up another tweet after the fact. And then I actually, like, I didn't see the final game, which, look, it's not exactly hard to go back and try to run down 20 minutes of game action. They know, were, uh, those boys were playing. Like, you, so they, you I, know, I nobody was. was... I, I was using the weekend also kind of as a mostly a weekend off. So I was on my way to my parents at the time when the final game went off. And so I, I did listen. I mean, I, I have the benefit of NHL Network Radio to allow me to hear what's going on. So it, here was the thing for me as I'm listening to the, the final game, because I already know at this point what happened in the first game. It was a 6-4 final for the Metro. And as things start moving forward in that game, after, after the first game anyway, you go, OK, he had a goal and he had an assist. But if we're being honest, it, you know, First of all, it doesn't matter yet because no one, the MVP of the tournament that they have is going to come from the winning team. It technically right. does, it, you know. So, so you got to wait and see if they win the championship. Like, let's put it this way: I don't remember. Like, there wasn't an All Star game last year, and the year before that, they did have one. Real, I mean, how close to the start of all of the things that we are in now? It was crazy because like, it was February 2020, I believe, or January yep. 2020. So. Yep. That year, I I believe well, Travis Konechny was the representative for the Flyers that year, okay. and the Metro was out in the first game. Yeah. Like, like, and that's that's the other part of the equation that's kind of interesting when you watch it today as as compared to some of the years when I guess I really first started doing it, which was it, like I remember writing stuff down to like post about like their tweet or whatever about the stuff, and it's two teams like it was what they would do the fantasy draft, and it would be two teams like captained by a specific player or whatever. Best and format, in my opinion. It was real. That was really cool. Yeah, but you got three periods of a game, you know. So it wasn't like it was over. You're watching it now, and you sit there and you go, "Oh, the Metro was out in the first game of, in 2020, and that means Konechny's done." So he had a couple. Of, he might have had two or three assists. I can't even remember. But you know that the rest of the night is over. You know what I mean? Like you know yep. at that point, well, he's not winning MVP because they didn't win the game. They didn't win a, a game. Period. And. He's gonna. He got a couple of points. That's about all I got to highlight. You know, uh, top three all star formats. By the way, uh, fantasy draft. Yeah. T- team World versus Team North America, and the current three on three tournament. Okay, so I'm gonna actually kind of counter one of your takes. I do like the fantasy draft thing. I think the fantasy draft was a great method. It kind of let's there were that was an element of fun before the fun because uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens at these events that the players kind of don't care about. Like, Fair enough. But what you like the genuine fun that you see from the players when they get to play with other players who are insanely talented superstars on other teams. Like you don't think for a second that, and I, I they didn't even win. But you do you think that the guys like okay like whoever's playing for the Pacific, you don't think for a second that those guys getting the chance to skate with McDavid when they normally play him isn't a thrill. Oh, they know, right? Yeah. right? Like it's fun, like. Take the Atlantic, and again, it's another team that lost in their first game, but take the Atlantic and say, instead of being in-state opponents, 
Jonathan Huberto is playing with Steven Stamkos, and it's kind of cool to see Jonathan how Huberto, good they are. Steven Stamkos, who who else is that one? Because it's the Atlantic. So Victor Hedman, Victor Hedman, Patrice Bergeron's out there, and they're playing with each other. Yep. that's supposed to be the point. The thing that I'm not liking about the current format is that now I think that three on three is becoming a little bit more stacked. Like, like it's ten minutes. It's a little period. solved. Well, it's two 10-minute periods, right? Yeah. There is no reason why both teams should not come away with 10 goals when you don't have, A, no checking. Like, they're doing mild stick checking. B, no that, back checking? <laughs> th- no, there actually has been more back checking than you think. And going, is, into the, going into the third game, there was quite a lot. Those boys were hustling. Like there was still right. no hitting, obviously, because you but know you're playing element, in an all-star like, game. The Metro scored. But they're the hustling. Game. The Metro scored in the first game, twelve seconds in, and yep. you think immediately, "Here we go," because it's as if the goalies didn't even get a chance to warm up. Right. We're just going to f- start the shooting gallery. Also, Kuznetsov to to Wilson isn't exactly that spicy all-star game. <laughs> well, right. I mean, y- combination. <laughs> Here's the thing. I want to say I hear you, and I agree. But back in the day when you were putting full teams together and they grabbed, like, in the 90s and they grabbed... They would always Lind- stick two guys on the same team on the oh, same No, but, line. like, if they grabbed Lindros and LeClaire, do you think they were separating them for the no. All-Star game? Absolutely not. So don't even with that. No, I know. Um, yeah, I just think... I just thought that there were elements of it eventually where you go, okay, it's a little bit stagnant. Like, eventually, like, you get a... Eventually, you get a little bit of a break and you see a couple of back and forths here and there, but... There was an awful lot of the we're going to turn back around and recycle the thing and try to go in. There was a lot of passing back like, to the goalie. And it looks like the possession game. The only thing that I thought that's different about it that you kind of like is they're almost it, it kind of feels like you're playing kind of like the pre-agreed NHL 22 rules, if you will, where you go no stoppages. Goalie has to keep it in play. Like there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, there the goalies were moving the puck and they well, were very clearly being told. Right. I mean, basically, it seemed like there was a concept of it's 10 minutes. Let's keep this as running clock as possible. With the It was of pretty damn close to running clock. Right. So which I don't mind. I mean, th- and they did have stoppages in the middle for like, sure. like they stopped it for every goal. And I guess after certain goals, they would stop and they would kind of make it a OK, we got to take a timeout really quick TV timeout. And they would do that like a couple times during the games and all that type of stuff. And you know, it, it's funny how it ta- how much time it takes to do this whole thing, in a way, because it eventually becomes like almost as long, if not longer, than a full game. Because yeah, it ends up being probably well, because, about the, a, a little longer. The first game of the day was Metro Pacific. They introduced both teams for that game. Well, and then start the game. You know, and then start the game. Then you have an, a legit intermission because they're going to put a Machine Gun Kelly concert on. Well, no, that was after the second. Oh, one. that was after the going, second. But yeah. they're going to legitimately, like, they're going to clean the ice so that the next game gets a fresh sheet of ice. Then well, they re- you... reintroduced, like, now they have to introduce the other two teams, and then they play the other game. So they had a legitimate intermission report. Oh, it definitely ends up being longer than the games because you got three 20 minute periods or three 20 minute games. And then we have all this, you know, extra stuff in the middle. And it, it ended up probably being about an hour longer than a regular game. It was. It was I, I was going to say long. half because I feel like it was over. The whole thing started at three. It was over by between six and six thirty. The game was over. Okay. 
Well, yeah, a game's usually about two and a half hours. That would be and, yeah, you and know, I guess, I mean, closing in on three. When three you consider the fact that the introductions for all four teams done over the course of two games probably added another five minutes onto the thing. Right. Each. And then, yes, having a Machine Gun Kelly concert in the middle of... Uh, Listen, here's the thing. Or the, between, before the championship game. Real quick note. We're yeah. not going to stay on it long. I don't care about Machine Gun Kelly's rap. His pop punk, not bad. I, I, that's the part where I tune out and go and do something else for 20 minutes. Fair enough. You know, so either way, like, and and that's not, by the way, that's not meant to be a knock on Machine Gun Kelly. That's meant to be a knock on like, hey, listen, whatever entertainment they want to throw at you, unless it's somebody who I really care about, then I like, it's not going to really. For the record, I have no desire to watch the Super Bowl, but I will be doing whatever I can to tune in for the halftime show. Okay, then that that's gonna be you. I mean, I'm gonna see it just to see what it is, but I, my expectations are low. It is not really. It's not my kind of music for one and two. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, you know what I'm excited for? I want I, I want to see the number of counts I have on how many times the sensor gets used. I don't know if you'll hear much. No, you can usually tell when they have to. Like they don't actually. They just no, cut no, the no. Audio. No, I'm saying I don't think you'll hear much on the broadcast because of how much is gonna be muted out. Oh well. That that's my expectation as well. <laughs> yeah, so don't don't plan on listening to a whole lot of actual music. I mean, I always I always like the production value that goes into things like that. Don't get me wrong; like you're in an outdoor stadium, and you can really utilize the space. And yeah. it's it's a lot of pyro, it's a lot of lights, it's it's very elaborate stuff. It's Snoop Dogg. And Come on now. The, the thing is, is that like I got so much into. I can't believe we're on Super Bowl halftime shows now because the All Star Game had entertainment in between periods. That's where we yeah. got this from. Yeah. But um, I I was always more into, and maybe people hated this type of stuff. I didn't because I liked the music, and then the shows would be still be elaborate, even for not a whole lot of like. I mean, there's good energy from these things, but I always liked the classic rock bands. Okay. That was my thing. I fair, I always fair liked, enough. Like. That that run of how many years I guess would that have been? It was probably I mean maybe it really started with I guess it really started with McCartney if we really want to think about it, but it continued to evolve from there. Like I don't think it was just that particular. I don't think that was supposed to start a trend, but I think it did for a little bit because then it was it was McCartney, it was the Rolling Stones, it was the Who, it was Prince, it was Tom Petty, it was nice. you know. Like a whole rundown of, and the shows were pretty darn good. And then they kind of got away from that after like that five year span. And and they had some other bands they could have entertained there, like yeah. possibilities where they were following this trend, and they never got to them. And I don't know that they ever will. I just wish they had been crazy enough to put Axl Rose on a Super Bowl halftime show stage. Here's the th- here's the thing too, by the way. You had two chances to put him on a stage because I, because you could have just said, "Let's see what we can do with Guns N' Roses," or for a little while he was filling in as lead singer of ACDC. Oh Jesus! Christ. You could have grabbed him for that. I mean, if you really wanted to. I mean, I think everybody would like to actually listen to ACDC. You know, regular as re- as regular a lineup as you're going to get. Which see, and that's my point. Now you can't go there. Yep. So. <sighs> All right, feels, let's bring it all like, the way wait, back. That here. feels like a missed opportunity. Yes. So let's, let's bring it all the way back to the games here. Well, this is no. You know what? The music talk is a good segue for me with this because I'm calling this the first stop on Claude Giroux's farewell tour. 
man, you really had to go there, huh? I'm look. I'm a straight shooter with this stuff. I'm not going to sugarcoat or hide what what I believe is going to happen. I know, and I, I for the record, I believe it's going to happen too. I just don't like it. I think we all kind of know, or expect, or suspect that the writing is on the wall for Claude Giroux's career as a Philadelphia Flyer to be coming to a close at minimum for now. Right. So okay. So now now that we're off of this subject a little bit with all the yeah. other crazy stuff. So as I'm watching, because you're asking me how much I watched of it and all that stuff like that. So I, yeah. as I'm watching the first game, which he's in the very first game of the day, and like I said, he scores the third goal of the game. It's the second one for the Metro, and you're and he's you're getting kinda involved thinking, early. But you, but your first thought is, okay, cool. He wasn't. It wasn't like he was shut out or something. Like that. It's not like he finished with one assist. Because right. to an extent, he wasn't exactly the headliner of the Metro. Like he was no. the captain, but he wasn't the headliner. Like you're looking at the other names out there, and you're going. It's it's quite possible that there's like a lot of other names on the on this team that you go they're bigger superstars than Giroux is just given how good their team is like absolutely is Sebastian Ajo a bigger player right now than Claude Giroux is probably because Carolina's outstanding and we I was all say, know I'm, I'm willing to say that Sebastian Ajo is currently a better player than Claude Giroux and well, that's well and like, how about well how about this one too Chris Kreider's leading the league in goals over I mean that's a weird one. Look, well, listen, he's got more games played than a lot of the others who were there for the whole time. I'm not going to yeah. try to take that away, but at the same time, that's who went into the All-Star break with the lead in goals in the league. It feels a little like and I know I know Chris Kreider's had a lot of success the last couple seasons. I know I I think he's been hurt missing games. I this feels a little out of nowhere. Is that crazy? What Chris um, Kreider's done? To be I mean to be a league to leader. To be this top level elite I don't want to say that that it feels out of the ordinary because he's had like three really good years in a row. Like has really, he? Yeah, like really good. Like okay, I'm gonna look up his stats. Here's, right here's now. the here's the problem, at least maybe in your eyes, he's that t- he's sometimes the typical goal scorer that kind of gets on runs and it's like oh look at that he scored ten in twelve games. It's a little then, hit or miss. And then there will be a few where he probably does nothing, but like he had games last year where he had. Uh. had well, okay, so last year he had twenty goals, thirty points in fifty games. Right, but see, okay, now now adjust for like adjust for I, normal season, and he's it's another thirty goal year for him. Uh, fair enough, but it's close. Uh, he only missed six games. Right, I, I'm going to give him the fact that he probably had twenty to twenty five more. That's fair. Go, and he's going to score ten goals in that time. Just just given who he plays on a power play with. That's, Fair. that's also what, what I would say with that. Uh, season before, 24 goals, 45 points, 63 games. Good. I, probably another I, 30 I, right there. If right, that's, that, that, that's another one where they played, like, what, 68 games? Yep. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was the season that got cut short with the pause, right? Okay, so, so again, same thing. And he was also, by the way, Um. oh, you know what else, by the way? He didn't play in 68 games that year. And I know okay. this because... Phil Myers took a shot in a game against the Rangers and broke his foot. Okay. Leading up to the pause. So he, he used the time of the pause to heal up, and he was back for the bubble. qualifying round of right. the playoffs because I think that they lost because that's how they got the first overall pick. Okay. Um, but yeah. Oh, right. But he, right. They but, were mystery but where, team. But think about that. I believe that that particular game was – the weekend going into like the last weekend of February going into March and they still played for another week and a half after that. Right. And Kreider was out that whole time. Oh, so okay. he, he had, so played he would have missed a large chunk of the rest of the regular season. He would have, but 
he's at twenty. So he's at twenty four goals. You're saying in it's, like, it's a thirty goal pace. I'm willing to no, give it to him in like what sixty one games or sixty two games. Sixty three. Okay, but there you go. So he missed probably about five or six down the right there at the end. Given the fact that he had gotten hurt at the end of February, had it probably about a four to six week recovery at least, if not more. I mean, it might have been more than that even. And he was going to, by the time it really came down to it, he was going to be looking at probably an early April return or mid-April return just in time for the playoffs if they made it, which was a question mark. They weren't guaranteed to make it. The Rangers no, definitely not. not. They were on the bubble. That year. So, no, I, to me, he's had a couple really good years in a row where he, yeah. you, know, you know what the problem is? 24 goals in that shortened year is no different than the way that everybody looked at Travis Konechny kind of. It was like, you're getting there. You really have some big time potential. And I think it, like Kreider has put together two years to follow that everybody wanted Travis Konechny to put together. Right. To me, it feels a little bit more almost like a Sean Couturier situation where at, you know, 26, 27, he all of a sudden decided he can put up 30 goals a year. A little bit. I mean, the only difference is he's obviously a winger and not a center, which I understand. It goes near defensive roles. Again, I do want to throw out there. He also has within relative recent years, the power play that he's on becomes more and more legitimate because it's gone from. I mean, it's gone from just Mika Zibanejad to here's Adam Fox, here's Artemi Panarin. Like, Absolutely. They, they got a very legit. I mean, and about the only difference outside of that that I can think of is that I think like up until last season, Pavel Buchnevich was on that power play unit. And now it's probably either, I mean, it's either going to be like a Capo Caco type or something. Theoretically, like you want it to be Alexis Lafreniere one day. Well, yeah, one day, but but I made that I, I made that point in the press box too, where I said it's not just that the Rangers have like found or found a way to kind of luck into the, those picks in the draft lottery, but on top of it, they have enough around them that they were able to do because Panarin wanted to sign there and Fox only wanted to get traded there that and they could Truba, also sit there, and, but and... but that they could that they could take those two players first and second overall in different draft years, and literally not have to play them in top minutes right away to let them develop right well because look at what happens when they're on the third line like a first overall pick that everybody knew was going first overall is playing on the third line not because he's not good enough but because they don't have to i've heard some complaints out of new york uh, that he hasn't looked good that he, he doesn't blah 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 he's not getting the time he deserves you know what do they mean not getting the time he well, deserves? Well, playing on a role that, in a role that they think would be better for his game. Right, I think he's one of those guys, and I think Nolan Patrick kind of had a lot of this in him too when he was here. If he's not playing towards the top of the lineup, if he's not playing a lot of minutes, he's not playing his best hockey. No, but there were. I think there were more. Like with Nolan Patrick, I think there were more chances for that. You know what I mean? Like, Fair enough. Like I think he got more chances. I think they actually look like. I think they look at Lafreniere and say, "We don't have to do this it's right now." It's a patience thing. It, not even that it's a patience thing. Or it's a, I don't think it's, it's a luxury. Right. I don't think it's that he can't handle it. I think it's that they look at him and go, "You don't need to handle it. We don't need him to be up there. So put him on a third line because he will. He's got ten goals this year." It's right. not like he's not producing. It's just, right. For a guy who's playing in your middle six, bottom You're able six. to play him as a, I mean, how often are you able to take a, a first overall pick and say we can play him as depth? Like, come on. You know? Right. Out, like, outside of a guy, outside of a really poor draft class where you go, that's the ceiling of a first overall pick that year. Like, unless it's that poor of a draft class, then how many times do you take the guy who's, again, probably always been told his entire life, 
you're the best on your team. You're going first overall. You're the best in the league. You're yep. right. How many times do you see a guy like that who does not get vaulted into a top six role effective immediately? It's fair. And the, it's, a, it's a nice little luxury for the Rangers. But no, it, it, it is weird to me that Chris Kreider literally has his career high in goals and we're halfway through the season and it's the season he turns 30. Like, it's just, it's so late to have, like, a breakout insane season like that. And I I think the part of it that you're also, like, wondering about a little bit is that, like, I don't know if you ever looked at him in the past, even, like, even with the talent around him on the power play. I don't think anybody ever looked at him in the past and said, there's a 50-goal scorer. No. But he just might be this year. Like, that's the thing. Like, they're halfway through their season. How many games do they have? 46? If you told me five years ago that Chris Kreider was going to score 50, I would tell you he destroyed about 38 ACLs on the way. Okay, so 40, All right, so 47. So the Rangers have played 47 games. That means yeah, he's got 47 and 47. But that means, I mean, that still means that they've got 35 to go. Oh, yeah, he's on a 50-plus pace easily. Right, so he needs, he needs a goal every other game to get to 50. Phew. I, right, but if you told me f- five years ago, I would have told you to prepare every goalie in the league because it's not going to be a fun year right i mean <laughs> and and here's the thing do i think he's going to finish as the uh like that he's going to win the rocket richard trophy no i don't because dry hot on his heels and has way more games ahead of him and they'll score a bunch of goals whether they do well or not to make the playoffs right like yeah. edmonton has the, those guys and they will pile up points whether they're in it or not and and, and you got like ovechkin's right there and yep. matthews is right there and like and both of them have that flip the switch ability where they can just decide to start start scoring goals, and all of a sudden they've scored ten well, goals in eight games. I also think another factor, and look, this is going to probably help Kreider as much as it's going to help those other guys. Maybe not Drysital, but it's going to help the other three. Well, Kreider and the other two specifically. You get to post trade deadline mark, I'll say, but realistically, the games in April and playoff positioning's on the line, and you're starting to feel the playoff vibes. You, starting to go would that be you also want to start to ramp it up at that time because yep. you want to be at the top of the game going into it so Keep don't be like but don't be surprised if they those guys take their game to another level because it's playoff time in Kreider's case it's going to be more about how much that team is clicking because I, I, as much as I think he's got the ability to score on his own look at who he gets to play with a lot like I think if you can get clicking that that's what they would want go into the playoffs as that team like there's a lot of teams from that side of it. I mean, like, let's put it this way. Is it really um, that much of a shock that the Metro wins at the All-Star game when you consider how great most of their teams are? Like, Fair. take the Flyers out of the equation for a second. I'm not trying to make it seem like... Here's the thing we'll say about the Flyers with this. We've been saying for a while now that for everything that goes on with that team, who's the best player on the team outside of maybe the goalie? It's still Claude Giroux. It's been Claude Giroux. But it still is. Yep. This year, and it has been. So when you throw him around, oh, Sebastian Ajo is the best player on his team. And Chris Kreider's setting career highs and goals before the All-Star break. And forget, you know, forget Alex Ovechkin, who was at the All-Star game, or was supposed to be the captain of the All-Star game, and then goes into COVID protocol right before. Forget him, even though he's not, like, Man, Ovi will do anything to not play in an all-star game, huh? Out of the, I mean, at least he gets out of the one-game suspension this time for not just for voluntarily just not deciding. And I am, of course, making a joke, and I believe he tested positive, so I no, do wish did. him the he best. Did. It's, it, like, yeah. Either way, um, it doesn't matter that he's not there because 
Evgeny Kuznetsov and Tom Wilson are there. Yep. And, you know, for Pittsburgh, it's not even a good enough year for Crosby that he goes. It's Jake Gensel and Tristan Jari are there. And uh, Carolina also sent Freddie Anderson, by the way, who both of those goalies were really good in both games. By the to way. be fair, I also think the NHL uh, went to teams and kind of sussed out who wanted to play and who didn't want to play before they uh, officially invited people. Um, I don't know. Like, I wait, are you saying that because Crosby wasn't named to it and Gensel was? I actually think Gensel probably has had the better year because of the fact that Crosby did miss time. I just think in if general across the league. Yeah, but like, if Crosby didn't miss time, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of anybody else across the league who you, like who would say no to something like this in the event that they did get named to it. Like, But I get it. The captains of the teams originally, that's fan-voted in. So fan like, How was Kadri in. not originally just put in? He was, oh, he, was last, he was last man in and won it. But like, how was he not just put in it? Come on. Because McCarr was the obvious choice from that team. And then, I guess. And then they have to take one from each, which I, I got to agree with some of – that was a big popular player sentiment was – Start, you know, the the, and I'm not saying don't bring one from every team, but the idea that the roster size, what what was the roster size for these games? Eight. It was not massive. Right, but like it, it, it it's close to not being a full team. Like you could honestly do better by expanding a typical game roster from 18 players to 20. Like take tw- like instead of taking 18 skaters, two goalies, take 20 skaters, two goalies. You could even do 20 and three. Okay. Fair so enough. This way, three goalies, each one gets a period, and 20 skaters, and you can balance it out because at that point in time, if you had two skaters, you're I presumably what you kind of would get at that point is you can either go two more defensemen and go from go 12-8, or you can go 14-6, or you can go 13-7. I think you go 13-7 and then just rotate people because that's the fun of the no. All-Star game, right? Just let everybody oh, play I, with I, everybody. I don't, I don't even know if I want to have a rule on it. Like, it should be kind of the discretion of what conference you're in and that's what, fair. What, what you have more of. If you can get two more defensemen there legitimately, then do two more defensemen and make it 12-8. That's if fair. You can, if it's two more forwards, go 14-6. If it's one of each, it's one of each. Hell, make that the final voting thing, and two players get voted in based on who didn't make the original teams. But you balance it out a little bit with this concept of, well, if you're going to have 18 skaters and the final two are decided by vote, then 18 skaters and you have 16 teams to choose from. Well, out of the 16, yeah, your representative could be a goalie. Right. You have, you know, and don't make the goalie the extra vote. Like okay. make it a skater. So pick three goalies legitimately. Pick sixteen. Pick eighteen skaters. So twenty-one players from among sixteen teams. You should have at the slightest a little overlap. Okay. And maybe you don't. And maybe you don't. You know, like that. That's why. Like I understand where they're coming from with this element of every team has to have a representative. I know why every team has a representative. Right. It's like anything else. Every team's represented rep- represented because what you're trying to do is make this a massive event where fans of every team want to come. Yep. Like, look, take take what's going on in their situation for what it is. But if you're an Arizona Coyotes fan, and I know that there's a little bit of irony to that statement, but okay, let's just say you're like, if that's your team, 
why are you going to go to something if they don't take one of your players? Yeah, absolutely not. You like if I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan, I'm not sitting there. there I'm you. sitting like I have this trip planned. I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to see all the the best in the NHL. It's going to be great. But what I'm really excited for is I'm going to see Dylan Larkin and I'm going to get a chance to meet him and hopefully take a picture with him and and we'll you know, we'll try to make that work. I'll try to find him. He's the right. only Red Wing there. Oh, you didn't take a Red Wing. Why am I going? And now all of a sudden I'm done. Cuz they they right. only announced it 2 weeks before. Like it's not like they don't give you time. Right. So I don't you know, People have been training, planning this trip for months. I'm sure. You know, and I don't, look. I don't think that it's as much of a travel event as you're making it out to be. A little bit there, like I think, I think it's a special trip event for sure. I think it is, but I think that most of the people who go to something like that that are actually traveling either really planned it from the beginning and don't like are just going as NHL fans or do more of a last minute approach and see who's going and then go to support that player. Okay. And the rest, and the rest to me is a city. Like where is it located, and people from there get to go see the the best of the best collectively. I think specifically the Vegas All Star Game was a travel event. Let me clarify that. Well, okay, so here's that's the other, location based. Well, because that's the other angle of it. If you're gonna have it in a place like I don't know who, it's been so long. I mean, I think St. Louis held it last time. They there was a game, but like it was. Yeah, it was St. Louis. But like, okay, but like, let's play hypotheticals here. When the All-Star Game is in Los Angeles, or when the All-Star Game, if it's in Nashville, let's say, or if it's, you know, take a place that's a, that's a decent enough tourist attraction, if you will, or draws some tourism, then, then it's not just about the game. Then right. you're going in and you're saying, oh, by the way, I can come into this picture here and be like go to the event, but I can also sightsee, and I can turn it into a week or or long weekend or whatever you want to do with said trip and it becomes the same like you know what it is though too with that it becomes the same thing that the draft becomes it becomes the same thing that any national like league-wide event becomes. It becomes an nhl convention with an event happening to an extent yeah which you know you know that that i guess is the benefit of it i i don't think people care about the i don't think people care about all-star games in general as much as they used to that's yeah. fair and i mean you know like it just is what it is i think the people now recognize that more than anything you see these guys on such a regular basis not playing with each other obviously but you know and and look is there is there a chance down the road that we could get another world cup is there you know wasn't the goal to get the olympics to be u.s and canada and probably the russian team and best on best like and, have, and, and, and be loaded up with, you know, hey, who's headlining for the U.S.? Probably Austin Matthews. Who's headlining for Canada? Probably Connor McDavid. Who's headlining Whoa. for Russia? Alex Ovechkin. You know, like like to get those guys. And then it's, it wouldn't just stop there because obviously there's other Americans. There's other Canadians. Like it's going to be loaded teams across the board. Right. Yeah, and there is some talk about getting another World Cup of hockey. Um, we've heard some talk about, was it 2024? Right, February of 2024. Um, so you know, not necessarily anytime soon, but there is talk about getting the world Ho- World Cup of Hockey back up. And well, because I think the target is uh, obviously with the way things have gone. You know, 2026 is when the next Winter Olympics will be. I think that's still on the table for them because they still want to. I think it better be if you're the NHL. Uh, it better be for the sake of the NHL if you're Alex Ovechkin because I think Ovi's going to unleash his wrath if you don't go for some I, reason. I think Ovi's going back to Russia if you don't go back. 
which I don't think you want to do because of where his where his stature is, not just with the league, but to be fair, in the next four years, he might very well break it. Right. I'm saying there's a certain (laughs) record he's coming closer and closer to achieving. Oh, my God. Imagine if he's at like 892 and he just holds the NHL hostage and goes, so we go in or am I scoring here? Uh, (laughs) I'm not breaking this record until you say we're going. I mean, by that point, to give them a chance to do something that what, what would it be? It would be over 30 years at that point. I mean, consider what's going to happen when something like that does finally happen, by the way, because if you go back and look up when Gretzky broke Gordie Howe's record for stuff like that, yeah, they had Gordie Howe practically traveling with him. <laughs> and I go, imagine it's going to so be much of the same so for Wayne. be there. And now that Gretzky's kind of back in the spotlight a little bit by doing the broadcast stuff yep. again, like they'll get him wherever the hell they need to get him to. Oh, yeah. To watch this happen in person, to stop the literally do exactly the same thing, stop the game. And they will. To honor this moment. And they should. And, you know, and all that type of stuff. And... I think that man. How often do you see a Gretzky record fall? Like, can, well, can we me, talk about that? Like, that's crazy. What, you mean you don't? Is that the point? Yes, yes. Um, but also, I would I would say the other thing that's going to be really interesting to me about that particular record, whenever it does happen, is how Ovechkin has one thing that Gretzky can't say for his career at this point. Okay. Like, like, and it's probably going to be, I assume it's going to be this way, unless something crazy happens in Ovechkin's career. We go on one team? Yeah, because the fact that he signed that contract and didn't go somewhere else after 15 years with them, and he's going to more than likely finish it out there, it's not, it's not going to be the same thing as, hey, he just, like, he scored the goal that sets a record. You know, when Gretzky finally did all that stuff, Gretzky didn't set point the points and goals records playing for the Edmonton Oilers. Right. He did it with the L.A. Kings. Yep. And that's not to take away from what he did. He was the best player in the world, and he did a lot in one location and won a lot in one location and then went to another and still did a lot but didn't win again, you know, after that. But either way, like it, it really feels like somebody's closing in on Bruno San Martino's 2,803 day reign as WWWF world <laughs> champion. I mean, well, like, here's, but here's the thing, though. Like, Ovechkin's never going to be Gretzky in the sense that, sure, he might score more goals than Gretzky, but he's never going to be Gretzky in the no. sense that, like, they didn't win as much. Right. To stay with one team, but not win as much, to not even get to the finals that much, you know? It's like, fair. Like, that's another, like, Gretzky, I think, ended up by, by the end of the whole thing played in five Stanley Cup finals in his career. Won four, played in five. Or no, wait a minute, I'm sorry. No, he played in more, he played in six because they the year before they actually won, he played. That okay. was the last year of the Islanders reign and they, they that was who they played. And okay. they got like completely demolished by the Islanders before Man, that dynasty came to an end. A lot of blue but, and orange. Right. But either a way. A lot of blue and orange parades for, for about 10 years there. <laughs> but either way, um, that to me, like, the fact that Ovechkin gets to do it with one team. Now, granted, d- doesn't have the finals and doesn't have the cup wins and all that stuff because Gretzky's going to go down for that. Gretzky's, you know. yeah. Well, Gretzky's not even the most decorated in that area, though. We got to be realistic. No, that is fair. Like, he's not even close. Like, he's it, not it, even it, not even from his own era is he the most decorated. His own teammate is more decorated than than he. I mean, is. technically, yeah. What? Mark Messier won five cups with Edmonton and then added a sixth with the Rangers. Yeah. Gretzky Fair got enough. Four. Gretzky got four. You Fair know? enough. He's, he is more decorated yeah. in his own era. 
Not sure. to men- not to mention anybody who was attached to the Montreal Canadiens from like so the original you know, six doesn't not count. <laughs> doesn't matter if you're t- tell that to Jean Beliveau. How many how many cups? No fair, but it just it doesn't count when it's only six teams and you like when one guy owns four of the teams. Like, come on, let's not let's not pretend like it was a fair and balanced league. I mean, l- listen. There's only been one time a Canadian team has won in my lifetime. I will go there with you on That's that. That's fair. Like it, it doesn't happen a lot. And I don't even know if there's a good candidate this year. I mean, who's everybody attaching their hopes to this year? Toronto. If, if there's a Canadian hope, it's Toronto. And you know, like, uh, uh, and that's not meant to be an like seriously. I know that that's an easy knock on Toronto. Like, hey, the first round thing. Okay, I get it. But like, that's not even meant to be a knock. That's me sitting here going, the, the only other Canadian team in a playoff picture right now. Is Calgary. The Flyers have won more first-round playoff series in the last 10 years than the Leafs. Yeah. Yep, they sure have. I mean, well, I don't want to speak for this year too soon, you know. Yeah, you're right. This, this could be the year, and then they're even. <laughs> no, I think, honestly, I think they do the Ovechkin thing, where once they get over the hump, yeah. they roll. Once once Ovechkin beat Pittsburgh, they're rolling. Once, I, think, I think Pittsburgh was – it wasn't a matter of just beating Pittsburgh. It was just the fact that it was the second round again. I, to, for sure. got to a conference final, it was a pretty big deal. And once uh, Austin Matthews and Bunch get over that first-round hump, I think they're going to find some some confidence and roll and be um, dangerous. You know, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. The playoffs is a different animal, though. You're right. You're right. We'll see when we get there. Back, but. Okay, back to Claude Giroux. <laughs> Somehow back to Claude Giroux winning All-Star no, Game I'm just MVP. Trying to put a, I'm trying to put a bow on this so we can get to the other topic. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I just – because well, let's – we started on this whole part. Somehow we got off on that tangent from this is the first stop on his farewell tour. It, yeah, it's the Winter Olympic break. It's fine. And no, I, I This is no, a nice little is. time to add that programming reminder that we will be okay. taking next week off and we'll be back the following week. Yeah. Um. So either way. All right, so here's where I'm at with this. You don't want to hear about it, like the thought of it. Like I, I'm telling you to brace yourself on. But either way, so okay. So as the game as the game progresses, he scores in the first game. He gets another assist. Okay, you know you're halfway through. Now you start to think. Okay, now you're in the final. So we got to wait and see what happens in the final because it's usually the, someone from the winning team is. And as I'm listening along to the final game, and the Metro goes up. I think the Metro went up three one. And then they continue to expand on it. Next thing you know, they're going to go on to win 5-3 in that championship game. And Claude Giroux has two more goals. And I'm sitting there going, like, once he, got the, sec- no, once he got the second one. Because getting the first one, he had gotten the first one. And I think Jack Hughes had a good amount of points in the whole thing as well. Like, Jack Hughes was scoring. He had two goals in the first game. One was an empty netter. <laughs> You really want to go there instead? <laughs> no, we can we can keep going on this. Boosting his trade value, yeah, because his performance in the skills competition at the All Star game, not even the skills competition, like you know what I mean, in three on three at an All Star game, is is what's going to make every team out there go, oh yeah. I mean, no, well, no, 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 it it boosts trade value because they don't have to pay for travel because they know he's got that truck he can drive there. <laughs> I guess. Um, no, you know what? Actually, I do think boosts his trade value, and I wrote a story on this this morning, um, kind of going over how it feels like the first stop of the farewell tour, all that type of stuff. But the, he had like there were some really good telling quotes from guys on the team with him. Rod Brindamore too, who said like, he, like 
he like first of all like who said good for him he's been around the block for a while and like he you can tell how much he how much of a competitor he is and all that stuff zach warensky said he can like that before the game Giroux kind of was and i guess brendan Moore chimed in on this or it, there was conflicting stories about who was really firing who up to go out and win but that Giroux kind of had said something along the lines of well we're already here let's go win it fair enough like but it resonated like you know what i'm saying like yeah. so there is there was definitely a level of respect oh captain my captain for Giroux at this particular all-star game so well he's an elder statesman now he's starting to get on that backside the narrative is all i'm saying but yeah as but as once he scored two in the second game i'm sitting there going they're gonna give it to him well i'm 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 sitting there going if they at least if they win because i'm like it was still he, he had scored the second one it was still way too early but i'm like if they win, he might get the MVP. For the record, watching the back half of that second game, Tristan Jari became the MVP in my book. I Well, and as I, I did not watch the last game, I was listening because I was in the car. But as I'm listening, I keep hearing that Jari's making save after He's save making save. save. And He's I, putting effort forth. And I'm going, they might change their mind here. Like, Drew is pretty much the obvious choice among a player, like a skater. Because... Right. At this point, he's got two goals in the championship game. He had two points in the first one. Collectively, as a team, they scored 11 goals total, and he's factored into four, including scoring three. If goal scoring is the name of the game in the All-Star game, then he's got the upper hand on who wins the MVP award among the rest of those players who are scoring goals. Because aside from Jack Hughes, I don't think that, like, there was a lot of guys who didn't even score, period. Like, I don't think Wierenski scored. Aho, I think, had one. Um, who else yeah, there one? weren't a lot Kreider of had, Kreider had one, like, but like I'm narrowing it down because it was a lot of Jack Hughes. It was a lot of Claude Giroux. And then yep. like Kreider had one, Aho had one, Gensel had one from Giroux. Yep. So like you're, you're starting to think about like that. That's what I'm saying. Like it started to veer into, there was two pretty clear cut skaters who were putting up the most points. And Giroux actually, I think by the end of it was either putting up more goals or if he didn't put up more goals than Hughes, it was more important goals because he scored twice out of five in the in the championship game. You know, so that's the thing. But I, I think they said that Jari made like 13 saves on 14 shots in the back half of that in the final 10 minutes of that championship game alone. Yeah, he was he was legitimately playing well. And collectively for an all star game, their goalies allowed only seven goals. Not you know? bad. Seven goals in 40 minutes. You know, for oh, an three all- on three play. Right. In 40 minutes of three on three. Yep. Fate, and it's, but, uh, which, uh, and it's way, wide open shinny. Nobody's back checking, especially uh, in that first game. And oh, by the way, facing in the first, at least in the first game anyway, Connor facing McDavid. McDavid, you know, and Dry's Idle. Like guys who, if you give them, and McDavid had a breakaway and did not <sighs> score. You know, like things like that. And then in the second game, they get the central, which is. Your Colorado guys, Jordan Cairo was having a great game. Uh, Pavelski scored a couple times, but so he was very present. Um, I mean, think about like I said, I mentioned the I just said the Colorado guys. It was just Kadri and Makar, but right, still super talented. For some um, reason, Nathan McKinnon's not there. McKinnon's hurt right now, actually. Though. Oh, right, right, right. So I think that that played into it as well. Like that's fair. McKinnon just suffered a concussion not too long ago, or something of the sort. So. Right. He's not available. Landis Cog was out for a really long time. Rantanen missed some time. Like at the end of the day, unfortunately, a thing that also crept in for this All Star game in particular was you just had some of the biggest names in the league who just happened to miss some time this year. 
Yep. It just like if you're going to take the guys who at the I, end of the I tell day, you end up with Jake Gensel out of Pittsburgh. Oh, and I'll tell you who else, by the way, because I was about to go look and see who's like, again, leading the league in goals and probably made it by merit of that. Alex Debrinkit was also very present for the central. Right. So and again, for a team that's not very good, but he's very good. He's having a really good year. And Alex Debrinkat is a very good hockey player. Yes, he is. Um, I would love if there was some sort of shake up with them, if they're looking to make some moves, get some young players. The Flyers are looking to aggressively retool. I don't know if you're going to be able to pry Alex to bring Cat away from him just because of how much he means to that franchise at this point in time. But, man, I would do it. I mean, that, that franchise is a whole other story, though. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. That's, that's why I'm strictly staying with the on-the-ice stuff. I hear you. But either way, like the, the thought creeps into your mind as the games progress. Hey, he might win it. And then they actually tell you that he did, and you go... It's not a surprise when you listen to what he actually did within the games, but you're going, man, like that feels like the first step to like, like it, that feels like a respect move knowing that his name is going to be out there. It's the turning. Lot. It's the early tease in the Disney story. It's the early tease that things are starting to well, kind of turn just, around for it, him. It, it's just, it's just one of those things where you go, you know, his name's going to start to be mentioned a lot. Like it yep. already has been. But it's going to be mentioned even more. It's going to hit, you know, levels we have not seen yet. When they do the eventual Disney story, Disney movie about Claude Giroux's life, you know, things are down. The Flyers are bad, and then he gets named to the All Star team. And then a couple days before the game, he's upgraded to captain. Oh, and he gets to do the cool Vegas fountain thing. That's pretty neat. Oh, and yeah. then he wins MVP of the games. It come on, it writes itself. The the. Cool Vegas fountain thing wasn't all that cool to me. Hey, sure, but they'll show it in a montage with some music, and, you know. No, I get that. I know what you're saying. I, a lot of the skills competition. If if I can make one comment on the skills competition before we go to the other news, it's in like yeah. A week. yeah, yeah. I did want to touch on the skills competition for sure. Well, because here's my thing with the skills competition. It, if nothing else, the thing that I took away from it because most of it at the beginning, like, it's not to say that so, like certain skills are staples right so hardest shot accuracy hardest shot, fast accuracy, skater fast escape. okay well i have yeah. a gripe about i have a gripe about accuracy shooting that i want to mention okay um i don't even remember I, I i actually turned the skills competition on a little late on friday so okay. i had missed fast skater by that point apparently okay. and, yeah they did it right off the top well, and let's just like the fact that mcdavid didn't win it i look i heard he stumbled a little bit or whatever whatever the case may be i'm looking at that and i'm going I don't even know if it was one of those things where they cared enough to worry about whether or not they won things like fastest skater or whatever. Like, right. Again, it was kind of just a going through whatever. Um, like the guys, the guys looked like they wanted a little bit of time to stretch out. And they didn't get a whole lot of time. Every single guy who went through fastest skater looked kind of tight. Um, um, so here's where I'm at with this. They did that. Um, say the save streak thing. Ha the save streak thing has the potential to be really cool because there's a bunch of guys going in on breakaways and it's about the goalies making saves. The problem was is that after you got through the tandem that has two really good goalies <laughs> in it, everybody else was relative. I mean, uh, up until maybe the last duo, everybody else was relatively awful. Yeah, I mean, you, like, you know that Vasilevsky and Campbell no, are going to be winning this. Two, <laughs> come on, like. 
I know that the goalies are in a really rough spot in the All-Star Game festivities. Yeah. Because, like, come on. But, like, if you're going to do an event designed to be save streaks, which means that you know that they're going to actually have to try a little, like, man alive, at least have some goalies in there that can make more than two saves in a row in tandem. Like, First of all, like, I'm waiting for fastest skater goalie edition. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. There, there's a competition that's safe for goalies. Either way. Um, so that, it's not that it was boring. It was just like after after one one duo gets nine in a row. And you're, you're like, oh, we're excited. done here. No, but, and you're getting excited about because you're going now some, like right off the bat, they set the bar. Now it means that two others are going to go in there and they have to like, there's kind of no way to do this now without not like without trying. You right. have to try to make nine to have a shot at winning here, right? If you want to really win this thing, and it just didn't feel like I thought that the last maybe the last duo, I think they got five because that was okay. the Pacific, I think, right? That was or that was a central goalie, so it would have been uh, UC Soros was in one net, and I'm trying to remember who was in the other. Uh, Flyers legend Cam oh, Talbot. Cam Talbot, yeah, and they had cameras on too, which was pretty cool. But yeah, um, either way. I think what was after that at that point? After that was start they started doing some of those gimmicky kind of things which are geared towards Vegas because it was look, we're doing it at the fountains or we're doing we're shutting down the Vegas strip to do a blackjack thing or whatever. Right. Like not so, don't get me wrong, I don't think it was like I don't think that the like the setting was too hokey or anything like that. Blackjack like, was freaking stupid. I liked that better than I liked the fountain thing. Really? Okay. So for me, the fountain thing was um, – remember a couple years ago in St. Louis when they tried that awful like – because uh, St. Louis was the one that had no fans. So they did the whole like arena shooting thing and you were shooting towards the net. No, there were from fans the, there. Or was there? Or there wasn't going to be and they had it planned. Whatever. No, no, no. There was – this was – the one Maybe in St. I'm Louis thinking was, of something else. Yeah. The one in St. Louis was, complete, was pre-shutdowns. So. Oh, okay, okay. But they, um, they needed I'm something of... different. They always want to try. What that, the goal is, I think, they always want to try something right. new. And right. the best thing that they could do in St. Louis was, like, let's try to do. It was almost like trick shots in a way where it's like, look, we're going to put some targets out there. It's a distance shooting. Let's right, see how right, well right. you can do. This was. This felt like that, but better after it's been iterated on and, like, actually thought okay. through a little bit better. And... Okay. I don't think it was, like, here's the thing. I don't disagree with you in the sense that. Backdrop wise, it was immensely better. Like, oh yeah! Like, there's definitely nothing wrong with if you're gonna go to a specific location for the All Star Game, to find a way to incorporate the location more and the arena less. Um, the thing I didn't like about it was at sort of as it progressed along. I mean, there were a couple in the middle that were impressive, but you had guys who were just up there. Missing left and right. I mean, down to the point where I think the first one who actually completed it in a decent amount of time was Jocelyn Lamoureux. Yeah. Like, and look, mad respect to her because she's an ins- insanely talented. I mean, I, like they were obviously the, the the twins were like such a key part to the gold medal winning team four oh, yeah. years ago, and they have insane talent. It, that's not to take away from that, but like my thing was that even down to the final. Okay, they get it down to the final. There's two players left. I think the winning time was still like 28 seconds or something like that because there was a lot of misses. And it's like, I don't want to watch, like, it's a skills competition. I'm not saying that guys aren't going to miss on occasion, but I don't want to watch guys miss for 30 seconds trying to get these two really small targets that are not far from the platform because you've got to sauce it to it, you know? Yeah. Like, like, yes, it, like, it definitely the, wasn't the perfect. Of, but... No, but it was the amount of misses. Like, it, it started to get ridiculous where it's like, oh, come on. Like, 
I'm not trying to say it's that it's not supposed to be hard, but like, come on, you know, like I get what you're saying. Because because from there, like the blackjack thing, it wasn't that it was. Again, it was nice backdrop because you're you're out you're out and about on the town. Good call. I I you know. I don't know what the significance. Uh, to be honest, by the way, the name also was really confusing. By the way, yeah, twenty one and twenty two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because okay, what do you think of when you hear that name? No, I have no I, idea. Because what I think of is they call it NHL twenty one and twenty two, and I thought <laughs> of, oh, are we gonna have two guys just stand here and play a video game then or something? Like that's fair. Like that's what it sounds. That like. would be it great. Be sponsored by EA Sports. You know? That would be great. <laughs> Either you know way. what? Honestly, I would not hate a Chell tournament as a skills competition event, like an all-star weekend event. Yeah, I don't think it should be in the skills competition, but I do think that's it should fair. be an all-star weekend event. Yes. I think, I think that great. sounds fun. Get eight guys or even if you only get four guys, you know, whatever bracket number is going to work for you. I think that if you wanted to involve enough players in it, you make it part of a media day thing. Okay. Like – Part of your media day go around is not just doing the press conferences in like this giant. You're gonna play the Chell setting. tournament, like, and it doesn't have to be everybody, but you get eight people who are interested, and you bring them in to play each other. And if you're included in media day, you can put sixteen in there. Well, okay, I don't mean it like that. I'm saying like in part of their schedule for that kind of day, though. That's like, fair. You're not gonna end up on the ice per se, which I think they do anyway. I think media day is technically leading up to the skills competition, but. You could just as easily grab a few players and say, hey, listen, we're going to do this event. It's going to be two hours long. Winner gets 5K or whatever. Right. Something like that. Either way. Um, I'm sure the boys would make it interesting if there were no prizes on the line. <laughs> right. Either way. Um, so I, I didn't hate some of the stuff. in like, like I didn't hate the idea of going on location in the skills competition. I was, uh, to be fair, the blackjack thing happened after the best part of it to me which was the breakaway challenge. The breakaway challenge, you get four young players. This that is, was done really well. Because um, who was it? Debrinkit was in it, and Debrinkit was the last of the four yeah. young guys. Because Petrangelo was fifth. Um, Debrinkit was fourth. Jack Hughes was third. Trevor Zegers was second. And who let, who let it off? Uh, Kaprizov was there. Oh, Kaprizov, because he came out yep. and he put the, had the Ovechkin jersey on. That so, was that was cool, man. Right. So so now you get, you get a young Russian player in Kirill Kaprizov who... Yep. Comes out knowing that Ovechkin's not there because of COVID protocol, has an Ovechkin jersey on, and shoots as him, and shoots with a different-handed stick. Yeah, went lefty go for, for it. To really, you know, to go uh, righty, you mean. Or He's go righty for it. He's yeah, a yeah, lefty yeah. He He's right. a lefty, right. Um, the best one, Zegris was the best one. Oh, by to, far. By far. Hughes was a close second. Um, Zegris was, was the best shot. Hughes was the best show. Theatrics, yeah, okay. And to me, the shot matters. Right, but especially to pull Mini Hughes out of the... You know who didn't do the best? You know who didn't didn't have the best of anything? Alex Petrangelo. Sorry, Alex. The guy who won? Yeah. The guy... Totally rigged to be, hey, the guy who plays for the hometown team's got to win. Yeah, like, here's the thing. We've known for a very long time that those celebrity judge scores aren't always, you know, know, 100% legitimate. That was egregious. That was well, bad. He missed the net twice on wristers. Right. He well, missed the I, net. I, well, let me add to this then a little bit too, because herein lies the problem with the, with some of the things in the National Hockey League. <laughs> or, <laughs> oh, this is a loaded one. Well, part I I said part of. Yeah. 
four young players. I mean, four players within three years, probably. I mean, to bring it maybe a little bit more, but three within three, four years of entering the league, most of them within two. Zegers right. is a rookie. Jack all Hughes very is, young. What, three years in. Something like Kaprizov that. Kaprizov is two years in. Like all these guys are. Uh, he's not certain... super young, but I get what you're saying. No, but you know what I mean. Well, no, but young enough. Fair enough. That they carry a level like the thing you wanted to see most and what, what gets you excited for this particular that particular event in the skills competition is this is a free-for-all here comes a player with an idea i got something up my sleeve for the breakaway challenge yeah they come out they put on a show it's entertaining they show they have a personality i mean zegris comes out like he's in dodgeball so good so jack good. hughes turns into a magician puts a cape on has the top hat produces mini hues out of a box that kid was and, great and that was outstanding um i'm trying to think of what some of the other ones were i mean the, the ov jersey wasn't anything that's overly unusual we've seen people do different jerseys before and we've but, seen o- ov do stuff like that which is why i think he but I like think it was right but I think it, was it was an homage nod, but it was a nod not only to hey ov's not here and he was supposed to be but also you know this is the kind OV of thing he would do type of stuff i'm gonna do it for ov it was an homage start to finish. And it was beautifully done. Did that too? He tweeted about it. Like, no, not did he? Bad. Yeah, he, he, he apparently like sent out, like, not bad. That was pretty good. I liked it. And they they told they told Kaprizov about it afterwards, and, and he had no idea that Ovi had even, like, responded to the fact that he did that, which was cool. That's um, pretty cool. And then you get Debrinket, who does the whole hangover thing. Yeah. Which was, which, it was just funny. Like It, yeah, it, it felt a little flat for me. I think it fell flat. Maybe it fell flat after the first couple because, like, you had a couple like that were very, you know, very good for what the player. Like Zegers, we all know is entertaining as hell. Yeah, and, and Hughes, th- Hughes has got some of it in. And actually, the thing I thought that was the best touch on what Hughes did wasn't all the theatrics leading up to, but he lets the kids score. They both are celebrating, and then the throwing the sticks into the crowd. Like, yep. Homage to what you did at the beginning of the year, you know, your that, that celebration which got everybody paying attention to you, and they like, threw it in perfect well, unison too. Right. It was like, really well done. Like, well done. That's 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 using your brain and getting creative. So I agree. I like that stuff. So I even sent a tweet out during that was the only tweet I think I did during the entire skills competition, which was just, hey, listen, look at these four young stars showing off a little bit of personality. Whether you think that, like, and, and again, whether you believe that great the, the for brain, the game, right? Whether you think what the brinket did was maybe flat or not like i i was laughing you know what i was laughing at most about it actually the fact that he shot a football into a net that was kind of funny fair enough it wasn't knock off mike tyson no it wasn't um and and again nice look another nice touch by the way nice touch to grab the quarterback of the las vegas raiders and have him be part of your sketch you know like, like you're playing to the hometown a little bit good call right like good call um here's four young players and each one of them just showed a little bit of personality somewhere in there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, NHL, market them. Pay attention. Like, realize that this is what people want to see more of. But okay, but who got but who got named the winner? Well, right, that's the problem. The right. Problem is that, and whether whether that's the celebrity judge thing, and it's hey, everybody's here from Vegas anyway, so we're just going to give it to the Vegas guy or whatever. Like those those scorecards score were written for them. He didn't score a goal. Like, come on. He missed the net. Twice, right on wrist shots from close. And I mean, by that point, the, the rest, of, like the rest of the comp. Okay, so oh, my gripe, I have one gripe about accuracy shooting. 
Okay. And it has nothing to do with who won or lost or anything Is it the like fact that. that they're not the old styrofoam targets that burst in the really no, satisfying were, fashion? Those mostly were, to be honest. Like, they okay. were more styrofoam than they have been in the past. Yeah, I, don't, like, I didn't like the light up garbage. Right, the, wasn't it like two years ago it was that? It was like light and up And they garbage. just weren't, they didn't work half the right. time where a guy would thunk it dead center and it didn't turn on. Yeah, and I, I think they learned their lesson. Let's get something that yeah. breaks into a million pieces. Yeah, it's way um, better. No, my gripe is this, okay? You could be, like, I remember back in the day what that competition, what that portion of the skills competition used to be about, which is the goal was you don't get that many shots. You have to go as close to four for four as you can. Right. And I, think a, you got, I think you got something like seven or eight shots. That was it. I think it was ten, but I, it, I might be wrong about that. Either way, you had only so many chances. So actually, believe it or not, more guys took their time. Yep. And focused on if I can hit four for four, I'm challenging the person after me to not miss. And then right, and then it goes by time as your first tiebreaker. Right, as your first tiebreaker to oh three guys didn't nobody went four for four three yep. guys went four for five who did it the fastest. Right, but you're not thinking of the fastest. You're thinking about trying to actually hit the targets four for four. I agree that now that it switch becomes, now it becomes a let's look if you can smash four targets by taking ten shots in ten seconds. Good fire, for you. Fire pucks fire the net and go. And right. and the thing is that to me, what sets the tone? Like I get way more excited about the possible. I think one guy did actually go four for four, but took Smash too long. Aho. Right, but didn't he take too long? Or maybe he didn't take too long because he no. went four for four and. No, what happened was it looked – one of the targets was a little uncertain if he hit it or not, but he did. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But either – okay, but either way, you get more excited at the prospect of, oh, look, one for one, two for two, three for three. Like you're starting to build because it's someone's doing it that well as opposed to – like you're almost out of it the second that the guy – like there was – I forget who it was. And it, no, and by the way, it was not Johnny Gaudreau who was in it and didn't hit the first shot either, like didn't hit a target on the first shot. But there was one guy who took his first shot and it went hit – dead center of the net <laughs> and i'm like well right away you're like all right you're out right you're not like, going four for four yeah like, that that on. switch to judging the winner based on time it's a mistake in my I opinion i just don't like it because it's, it's not really what the competition is about and, and right it's about shooting accurately not shooting quickly and accurately right so the, the, the my gripes from the whole thing would have been the outdoor stuff was a little bit like the the games itself the competent the skills itself were a little yeah the setting was cool, but the skills were a little eh, to me. Accuracy shooting should be about accuracy, not about sp- speed. Um, hardest shot needed more participants. Um, four I agree. Was, four was not enough, um, especially when one of them's Victor freaking Hedman, who you knew was probably going to wipe the floor with the guy. I mean, he, didn't, he didn't completely. I mean, he was not that far ahead, but you knew he was going to probably be the winner. Yeah, but you also had two forwards and two defensemen. Like, it wasn't. I mean, it's it's not exactly the good old days of Zidane Chara and Shea Weber duking it out, right? Um, so you got that. Um, what else was there even to talk about? The save streak thing was kind of lame because nobody bothered to make saves. It was kind of just rough to me. Um, and then you got um, what else was left? The breakaway challenge was fun, but again, they the winner was totally rigged. But you're right. I did want to mention there. Uh, to me, Zagris is the winner. Because I think he had the second best presentation, the second best show behind, best behind Jack Hughes. But he had by far the best shot, the most technical shot, because that well, was right. insane. Well, it's the most technical. It, it Here's the thing. For some players, and I, I'm not trying to downplay it, for players of that level who do crazy things, is it like is it that overly skilled that it's not something that they can somewhat easily do? 
probably not for him, but he did it blindfolded. Right. Like, you hit the net while you're blindfolded. Doing a skill like that where you're spinning yourself around Hello. is not easy. That's not human. It's right. not uh, human. Like, like, I'm saying, like, like, what I'm trying to say when I say it's some, something that's somewhat easy for him, take the blindfold out of the equation. He sure. pick up the puck on his stick and spin and score. He's done it a hundred times. A thousand times. You're talking about a guy who did the Michigan on the like on the move on the a couple fly. weeks ago. He's so exciting, dude. He is such a fun player to watch. Uh, the fa- and the guy and and like, dear NHL, take this as an absolute gift right now. He's got a personality to go with it. Sell a billion Trevor Zegers jerseys over the next ten years. A uh, billion of them. Okay. The other thing that was really funny, by the way. Speaking of him in particular. Did you see the video back at the holidays where they the, the Ducks put out where they filmed a bunch of guys doing the holiday message? No. And they had and they had the teddy bear in the corner and uh, Kevin Shattenkirk was in the teddy bear. So he's Jesus scaring Christ. people. Zegers had the best reaction of getting scared. Like most of them kind of like laugh. Actually one of the guys who came in, I forget who the hell it was. Might have been like Campus Lindholm or something like that. But there was it's... one guy, there was one guy who sat down next to the thing. And went to go put his hand on the thing and then stopped and went, that thing's hot as hell. Someone's in that. I know better. And That's like funny. called it out. But most of them didn't know. And Zegris like had the best scare of the whole thing. And it, and that was funny. It's like the good old cooler snake prank. Right. But that you know the was video. funny. Yeah. But that was funny. You know what I mean? Like it was funny to watch him get scared and show he had funny. a personality that way too. All right. Let's go on. Move on to Give me other two e- Give me sometime in the next two years. Yeah. Put Trevor Zigris's name on the eggplant Mighty Ducks jersey. Just give it to me. Just give it to me. There. Um. I don't know if you know this or not yet. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But I have heard rumblings, and there's 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 a YouTube channel, and I'll shout him out because I do like his videos. Uh, post to post. Oh, I like post to post. Okay. Okay. There's rumblings that there were gonna they're bringing back reverse retro next year in a new fashion. Just and just. Just just do it. Hold on. And he did it. The guy on Post to Post, he did a very extensive video on on concepts for these reverse retros. And what he did was send a, send a guy who can do the design work, like who goes into those programs where you take the blank canvas jersey and can yeah. do whatever, whatever with it. Basically either sent his own concept, like this is what I think it's going to be because I don't have any intel. Or he knows a couple people with teams who may know and goes, this is what I've heard, so create this. And supposedly the Ducks one was – it wasn't the eggplant version because it wasn't dark, but it was the very classic D3. Yeah. The varsity game jersey? Yes. Oof. Oof. And, and basically the idea – like he even said, I know it's just a straight-up retro essentially. Yeah. But this is what – like this is what – Basically, if I remember correctly from watching that video, he said that, that, the Ducks, so that the Ducks have two possibilities here. And it's not not specific possibilities, but either they're going to go something so straightforward that it's basically going to be an exact. It's a Mighty Ducks jersey. An right. exact retro jersey. Or it's going to be, again, kind of like what they did last time around. Something that's really out of left field. Okay. Yeah. You and know? you know what? I really do like the reverse retro series. Uh at least the first iteration of it. The thing I think about for the, the most part, it was is, very good. Yeah. The thing about the reverse retro this time around is going to be, what do you do this time if you don't have an expansive thing? Like, I hope good, teams go more off the wall. Well, like, and truth be told, a good suggestion for like certain teams, like 
Detroit doesn't have much flexibility in this field, right? Uh, fair enough. Okay, so the suggestion from the video that I'm referring to was actually along the lines of something they wore in either a Winter Classic or a Stadium Series. I can't remember which. Okay. But it was just – it was a red jersey that had a white stripe across the middle and actually had the word Detroit across it. Oh, yeah. I know the one. That was a better – that's a better concept than what they actually came out with See, last I, season. I want them to go full-blown like NBA city jersey style and like go put artwork on the jersey and do something about the city or like mm. – Man, I I, I'm I know it, so ready for hockey to go in that direction, man. For a reverse retro thing like that where they wear it for a handful of home games. Like, I'm not saying anybody makes it their primary. But um, for a handful of home games, special event type maybe, stuff, I love it. Maybe. I think, the maybe, league, I think it's I great know. for the league. Well, we talked about promoting the stars and giving them something cool to wear. Giving them, you know, a jersey they're excited about that's not just the standard old crest, the blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, it's all part of growing the game. I think here's the thing for me, and I don't want to make it sound like you're like wrong about this because it, it, I think the possibility exists that they could go that direction. I don't know that I want an oversaturation of jerseys out there for teams like in that realm of things. I think that more teams one, – one thing that more teams should do to really hit the point right now, nostalgia is very popular. Yep. So every time Carolina wheels out the uh, Hartford Whaler jerseys, people go crazy, right? Fair. Okay, so the other day, I don't know if you saw this. The Dallas Stars had a night honoring Sergei Zubov. It was a reti- jersey retirement night. That jersey well, was nice. Well, for warm-ups, they wore the classic Stars jerseys. Now, I don't know if those are going to come back in some way, shape, or form, but if they do, I would be lined up to buy one. Well, I'd be willing to bet kind of putting some pieces together here it wouldn't surprise me if that's gonna well, be what their jersey looks like if there's another another round of reverse retros here okay so hang on a second this is the story with that so and the, the vi- again the video on post to post really documents this stuff pretty well for what he knows so far obviously things change right he actually he actually just tweeted out the other day that he he has a source that said that the islanders are going to bring back the fishermen <laughs> no, okay like, at, at, that he feels comfortable enough sharing like hey listen like reporting it well like i trust this guy enough that it's going to be that and if something changes last minute i will admit that something probably changed last minute but as of now he that's what he was told interesting you got that the 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 thing that really fuels things like and this is the point he tried to make with a lot of teams and what their plans are when it comes to going retro in some way is Rather than it be a one-off, because these seem like one-year one-offs, you know what I mean? Like, right. whatever they wore, they're not wearing it again down the line. Which right? I'm happy about, because the Flyers was not great. Right, but whatever it is, they're not going to wear it again, right? right? Um, the idea is that instead of taking a jersey like the Dallas Stars from the late 90s, or another example is Buffalo talked about bringing back the classic Buffalo head jerseys in the, in the old colors, I believe, too. Ooh... Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if that's exactly where it is, but th- that was the picture that went around anyway. Yeah, I heard a couple it, different things. Either way, the idea is that instead of making them the reverse retros, they would bring them back as alternates because then they become a more permanent part of the rotation as opposed to – because it's very much so like and, – and again, it's an ironic. This is a team that I can reference because I don't even know if these jerseys are going to exist in a few years, but – it's very much Arizona Coyotes going back to the Kachina because ah uh, the old Houston Coyotes. <laughs> well, maybe I don't know, but if they 
like by bringing those back, they brought them back as an alternate. And right. now that's more the primary home, so much so that they actually went off this offseason and, oh, we listen to you, fans. We're bringing back the road one, too. Nice. So we're bringing, we're bringing back the white version of that jersey as well. You know what I mean? And there's enough teams out there, I think, that recognize that nostalgia is very popular. Bring back that classic Dallas Stars jersey, which, by the way, you've already laid the groundwork for. Because yep. it, no, not in the sense that it was used in a warm-up. It's an Adidas version. They didn't come out in like classic CCMs and go, "Hey, we're wearing the classic." It's an jersey. homage thing. Like, right? They got the league and Adidas to sign off on creating this jersey as a specialty item for one night, which means it can be done in regular Again. circulation. Right. So, I mean, you really like this Stars jersey, huh? No, I do. But I'm I'm saying for any of these, it, like this is the stepping stone to doing it. So, like, I like that one. If Buffalo goes the direction that they plan to go as an alternate, please do. I think that's going to be really cool. Um, there's other teams you could do this with. I mean, beyond, you know, I'm trying to think, like, in terms of re- retro-style jerseys. By the way, not to spoil, I'm not going to spoil the whole video. You'll have to go watch. But the Flyers version that he had in this video of what the concept for the reverse retro could be. Uh, first of all, First of all, he did say, no intel, no source, no nothing. So he had to kind of come up with a concept. So okay, there's just, no. Just give me a quick yes, no here. Okay, tell me what you think it is, and I'll tell you if you're. Is right. the primary color on this jersey black? No. Okay, that's all I want to know. Interesting. No, on, on his concept. Well, right, right, right. No, I know. No. No intel, no confirmation, no nothing. I know. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so all right. You don't, you don't want to know. Nope, I don't. I want you to put the link in the the description of the video, and I want it. I want to go watch it. So, okay. There we all go. All right. So it's been a little bit of a tangential show here. Let's uh, let's hit some news here before we get out of here. Right. And we can. I, we don't really need to go into. I think we should disclose. We don't need to go into depth into the game that they played this week. They played one game since our last show. They did get a win. Um, kind of a down the stretch kind of game. It was a hockey game that happened. <laughs> you know what it was more than anything too. By the way, um, it's that. It was two teams that really have been struggling lately. Like, Winnipeg's been struggling an awful lot, too. And if nothing else, I mean, you were setting yourself up for the same type of game that they've played, the Flyers have played against, you name it. I mean, they played San Jose like this. They played the Rangers like this. They had played, they even played the Kings like this down the stretch. And you're set, you were setting yourself up for the possibility of one of these games eventually becoming, you know, like it could have gone either way, and the yep. Flyers were the team in this particular case that got the odd man rush, and yep. perfectly executed. And I, I do want to give a little credit. Uh, Kyle Connor scored forty eight seconds into the game, and then after that, Carter Hart shut the door. Carter Hart continues to be the bright another spot of the season. Yep, another excellent performance, especially now. He and is more, definitely the bright spot of the season, especially now that Joel Farabee's yeah, and you know, more and not more there. and more by the day, by the game. Every time you see him, even in the games he's losing, he continues to be the piece that you know for sure and certain you've got to build around. You've I got, am, you've got a goalie. I am certain that Carter Hart is should be the goaltender of the future for this team. So there you go. I think that's all we need to say about that. Fair and, enough. And, and all by oh by the way, you know two more games this week, both against Detroit. Uh, we'll talk maybe more about them as a whole on the next show after, because there's a couple other games the following week after we take the week break that we are because uh, yep. Pittsburgh on the road, Washington at home. Yep. Um, 
and then we're leading into a not, pretty not, full, pretty full week, all things considered. After that show, yeah, you start rolling. Happened. We start rolling three games a week for a while now. Yeah. Yep. So, so do we want to go to the story that's out there that um, is probably going to be more or less announced in the near future? But yeah, so we out there now. We heard some interesting things coming out of the Chuck Fletcher press conference, um, and one of the one of the stories that kind of came out that day but wasn't really the big story that day because of the nature of that press conference was the fact that Danny Briere had kind of stepped on with an extended role with the team or an expanded role with the team and it was announced recently that that role has expanded even further and he will be named assistant general manager here shortly and it's (laughs) Elliot Friedman said something along the lines of uh, it might be assistant to the general manager as opposed to assistant general manager but either right but he will have, you know, intimate knowledge of Philadelphia Flyers operations. He will be Chuck Fletcher's right-hand man. It certainly looks from the outside like he's the next general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers whenever that's going to be. Um, All right. But, and, when you, and you're saying that from the outside. Let me uh, pull the curtain back yeah, a little bit. Please. Um, no, no, listen. First of all, full credit for the report that's out there, which I fully, you know, believe is completely a thousand percent true uh nothing has really come out beyond this like other than the the stories out there and it's more like yes it's a report you know but and it was and san filippo crossing broad right right. and he's been all over stuff like this uh you know throughout the year fantastic work out of him right he's had a great year so when i see it coming from him there's pretty much no doubt my mind's gonna happen and well and here's the thing well and here's the thing the clues were there anyway. The thing I, the, yep. I, the thing like the way I kind of say it is that the thing nobody really seemed to know going forward was what's the name of the role. Like right. we knew he was going to have an expanded role because that was what they had said at the press conference. Yeah, he's doing more things. He's already sitting in on all the most important management meetings. You know, has been for two years. You know who he's working for. Like in terms of your, he's the day to day operations. The president of the Maine Mariners, owned by the same people and you know pretty much the idea is if he's sitting on these meetings too they they like him right like obviously so there's that i actually had i was on i was on 97.3 prior to tuesday's game and we actually had you know maybe and maybe you can sympathize with this maybe you can't you've only been in the press box one one time specifically but uh there was a massive internet problem oh Uh, no you couldn't connect to the wi-fi naturally um, I was using a hotspot for the up until literally I'm not kidding the internet worked for me two minutes before puck drop wow. like their internet I had internet through my through a hotspot otherwise um, but Thanks I could Comcast. not but but I could not get the stream to work to be able to go and do the interview that way so I last minute five less than five minutes before I'm supposed to be on the air send a text to the host of the show and go you're gonna have to call me because I'm gonna have to do this on the phone so I go and what it actually allows me to do is get to a slightly quieter place during warm-ups. Not much, because it's still the volume is still jacked up in there to levels <sighs> that you can't believe during warm-ups. But as you know, but yeah, um, it allows me to go and get to a quieter place, which is kind of back in that general area where the snacks are and all the that. The green room, kind of, if you will. I mean, there's nowhere to sit down in there. That's why I don't really call it a green room, but the it's lobby. Where the snacks- the it's foyer. Like a, it's like a foyer. Yeah, that's a good place to go with it. Anyway, um, as I'm walking around, because I'm like somewhat pacing while I 
I'm on the phone and all that. So I, I do see near, I'm right outside of like where the, there's a wall that I'm like standing in front of that shows it's the Gene Hart Memorial Press Box. And nice. behind the wall is the management box. Like okay. there's two doors on either side and that's the management for the flyers. And then there's a box next to him, which I assume is be is used for either other additional people involved with this, or it, it, there's a, I think the visiting management and everybody like that sits down the other end. But wh- whatever, might be um, like ownership, it's like Comcast reps and stuff like that. I uh, I would not say so because of the fact that if if so, I would have I, I would have seen a whole lot more of Dave Scott probably. That's fair. I've never seen Dave Scott at a game, so wherever he sits is not with us. Is um, Dave Scott at every game? I don't think he's at every game, but I assume he's there more often than we know. It's just that he's not up on that level. Maybe. Maybe he's just not. (laughs) Either way. Either way. Um, And I do happen to be able to pretty easily identify that somebody standing outside of the management box at that time is somebody who I actually mentioned in in the call at some point, (laughs) which was, hey, you know, they've really been talking about Danny Briere a lot lately. You know, and he's such like, a recognizable guy. He really is. Um, yeah, for me, he is because of the fact that he's one of the few guys in the game who's on my eye level. I was gonna make a height joke, and I was trying to figure out how to do it, but uh. I, I'll, I'll make it for you. He's one of the few guys <laughs> I could look in the eye. I mean, like uh. seriously. So it wasn't too hard to identify that a guy uh, that okay, a a smallish person, you know, who's very clearly not above six foot. You can no. okay, who has dark hair and, you know, very much in the style that Briere has. And you could just tell it was him. Like, I he, he is, Danny Briere. Come on. We like, all know like, what he well, looks like. like, you know, like what I'm saying, like what I'm saying here saying is that I don't see the guy's face. His right. back is to me and I'm still looking and I'm going, that's Danny Briere. That's Danny Briere. And it's not like it's a crazy thing to me because he's been at so many games in my entire time of doing this that it's not a shock to see him there. Right. But he is hanging out in the management box now. I think he was there the night I was in the press box. I think he was um, at a game chat, yes, but with the in guys. The mani- yeah. In the management box, no. Well, he was up in the press box. He came over and well, chatted right. no, with but the guys. I'm but... saying this is like a little enclosed room where you're not okay. even sitting alongside of people in the press. Like they're not you. in a spot where they're communicating with the press. No, they're I in their understand. own little cushy little almost like a suite. Right. I'm sure. But I mean, not not the same level, obviously. But either way. Yeah. So he's sitting in that box now. Right. With a, with Chuck Fletcher, with Brent Flair, with, you know, all the others. So, so I know that I've been pretty vocal on this show. Okay. About the nepotism in this organization and the hiring former flyers and the lather rinse for Pete and the blah blah blah. Like I said, piece it together. They said it makes, his name. It makes so much. He sense. got asked. He they got asked about him at the press conference, and they said he's going to have a more expanded role. Well, that would right. be a more expanded role. He is in attendance all the time now. Right. Um, for two, three, he loses the job in Montreal. Like he doesn't win out the job in Montreal, and the story is they're relieved that he didn't get the job in Montreal because Thrilled. they want him themselves. So, what do you think that that means? He's going to have an expanded job. Now, I've heard He's going to come to them and go, oh, so I heard that you uh, you, you, you don't want to lose me. Okay. No, I think, <laughs> I, think, I think if nothing else. Okay, so again, the report that, that Anthony Sanfilippo put out there, which is, again, I believe to be completely rock solid, a thousand percent over. Um, well, not to mention the fact that there was a confirmation on said story, by the way. 
it wasn't just Dan Sanfilippo saying, hey, I got a report out here. Like, I got a source telling me that Briere's going to be. Right. Elliot Friedman backed Elliot it up. Elliot Friedman backed it up. Right. So guess what? That's a double sourcing here. And not, and that is. Not double sourcing. That's a double confirmation. That's a right. guy who's got great rock solid sources. I was going to say, we've mentioned before. Rock solid sources on the back, on a yeah. national scale. Who's Elliot Friedman is the gold standard of, he has good sources. Right. But either way. So. It's not to say, believe it or not, what I actually wonder how true this is or not. And again, now there's nothing that indicates this in either, like in the report or anything like that. Has is he already in the role without it being announced? Like, was he at Tuesday's game as an assistant general manager? I'd be willing to bet that that's the case. Like, like in that sense, like he's there all the time. He's in the management box. Is is this already in place? And he, like they mentioned this at the press conference, he's done just about everything. Like. So- is it weird if Danny Briere is the one making the phone calls to trade Claude Giroux? Um, it's it, it's interesting because that's, of the fact that, that like I know what you're where you're going with this. It's that's weird, fact, man. It's because of the fact that what was it? it? It wasn't a decade ago, but maybe it was a little. Sure bit. was. Oh yeah, it was a decade. Ago. Sure was. Close to all right. Yeah, it was exactly a decade. It was eleven years ago, I think, is what it was. That he's living with him. That yep. Claude Giroux is is his roommate. His like his his. Um, what, what what was it like? It's like Danny Briere was Claude Giroux's billet family in uh, you know, in the Philly area because he's got nowhere else to go. He's a single guy. He's yep. at that point what he was he twenty three, twenty four years old, something like that. They just came off of an incredible playoff run where Giroux was just as the Briere was the biggest part of it. I mean, Briere was the one putting up points like thirty points. But but Giroux had an insane playoff that year as well. Right. You know, scored scored the biggest Stanley Cup final goal that they had. Right, and now Claude Giroux's kind of in that Danny Briere role, <laughs> to an extent. But like, but Claude Giroux's now the guy with the family, and you know, yep. like all that type of stuff. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is that the thing? Is is that the story I keep hearing is that they're not going to go to him and say we're like talk. They're not going to talk to Giroux and say, "Will you do it?" Right. They're willing to move him if he comes to them and says, I want to go somewhere. I'm willing to, to waive it. Man, and, I don't know if that's the way to do it. I think you got to ask No, him. I think that actually is the way to do it because to me as an organization, it means you've already fessed up to the fact that you're, you're going to do it. Right. Like you're willing to do it. That's half the battle is don't get nostalgic here as an organization and worry that's about fair. whether or not he can be a lifetime flyer anymore. Whether you want him to be or not. Like I think he you might want to have be. willingness. Yeah, but that's you know what the problem with that or not the problem. You know, I can't argue with that at that point. That's not them doing him a disservice. If right. he says that's I don't him exercising go his no trade clause. That's yeah. You sign the contract. You have a no move. And here's the thing: they don't have to resign it. him in the off season. Man, that's oof. Oh, oh! Why would you break my heart like that? As awful as it would be to not have him back on the team next year for nothing. Just full blown Zdeno Chara him and let him go. Yeah, but I'm saying you can't deny that if he doesn't want to go somewhere, he doesn't want to go somewhere. You know what I right. mean? Like, that's the difference. I think that they are willing, the way I hear it, they're willing to move him. Like, if, if the ball is in his court, it's his decision. That means if he wants to be moved, if he says he'll waive the no-move clause, we're willing to do it. Right. And, well, and, he, and, well, and here's the thing. If you've got the no-move clause built into your contract, the, the only reason you would even mention I'm willing to waive the no-move clause is that you want to be moved. Why would Absolutely. you why would like why would you not? You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't sit there and hang on to it and go, "Oh, like hey, like you wouldn't be in Chuck Fletcher's shoes or anybody in management and go, "Hey Claude, 
we've been actually, you know, we've been kicking the tires a little bit. We've seen who the teams are interested. We've got something that we might want to bring to your attention. Right. If the ball's in his court and he says, I'm willing to waive it, that means trade me. Yep. It sure that's does. It. That's what it is at the end of the day. So they're already sitting here saying, listen, if he wants to go, we know what's at stake here and we're going to let him go. And believe me, there's more to it than saying that in front of a press conference audience to just sit there and say the ball's in his court. Right. I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm sure that when Chuck Fletcher's having those three or four conversations a month with Jeru's agent among, you know, the agent of other players on said team, I'm sure that the conversation comes up like, hey, it's not going to happen here. Like, if he really wants to win, it's something he should consider. Right. Like, I'm sure that those things happen behind the scenes and just don't get said in the public eye. That's right. that's where I'm going with it. So, it, you know, I don't want to sit there and necessarily say that it's going to be like Danny Briere is going to be tasked with this. I don't think it's that level yet. I know, but it would be weird. <laughs> no, but he's involved in the management decision-making yep. process. Of it, and if he's, and let's put it this way. If we're to take what was said at the press conference word for word and assume it's all completely 1,000% true, if Danny Briere has been sitting in on every major management meeting for the last two years, then certainly the conversation of what do we do with Claude Giroux and, oh, it's He's his been decision, a part of that conversation. And he's been a part of that conversation. Yep. And, and you know what? As a guy who in his own playing career has been traded on multiple occasions. I'm sure he I'm was sure a voice the guy in that conversation. And I know because it's funny, like to answer your actual kind of counterpoint here where you got like you even said, how do you avoid people thinking it's same old flyers or bringing back a former player? I think that this is a guy who understands the younger game and the yep. younger player better. It's a yeah. guy who it's a guy who can sit there and go, first of all, I think he can talk to young players. Hell, he's got three of them in his own household. <laughs> like it's he's fair. got three up and coming players well, and who, he spent who the may last... be NHLers or may not be. But and he spent the, the last day, couple of years in the ECHL working with younger players and development right. stuff. Some, yeah. So you got that first. Then second of all, you need a guy who got out recently enough, and he retired recently enough that, like, five years ago, that you can sit there and start talking about it. Like, you understand the concepts of how to win the game today. You understand that it's not like he's not coming in as a broad street bully, right? He's coming in as a guy who understands right. that speed and skill is where it's at right now, who knows that play and who's played with some pretty good teams, by the way, after playing in Philly, by the way, like, hello, he played on a Colorado Avalanche for a few years during that stretch of time when they were getting said players, but he got to play yep. on a team that had Landeskog, McKinnon, and I believe Rantanen. McCarr right. was not in the league yet when he was still playing, but Rantanen, I think, was either a rookie or just getting started. Yeah, it's definitely not. Uh, same old flyers and that's why i'm kind of okay with it uh, this is an exception to that I, I don't believe they should hire you know list any number of old flyers up to and including rick tockett but in the meantime i like we have danny briere who like you mentioned is newer generation you know played 10 years right. after tockett also played other places for the majority of his career like you know came up through buffalo Ended up, like you said, going to Colorado. Well, I also think there's an element of it, and, and Chris Pronger is another good example of this because Chris Pronger was kind of being groomed in that role, and I don't know if he's even doing much now. He might just be an advisor-type guy who... I think he's biding his time and putting some years in. He'll get a job well, at some no, point. Well, no, he is, but like he, his wife runs like a travel agency, and he's got some pretty heavy involvement in that as well. Yes. So 
I think that he's kind of dabbling in the management side again, but also really enjoying some of the things about retirement. Sure. So, which why? Well, not? that's why I think he's kind of biding his time and putting some years in, but where, and where not taking try, it too I, too seriously. Where I was trying to go with this is is that I think there's also a different element to the same old Flyers argument when the guy is not just being mentioned among Flyer possibilities. You know what I mean? Like, I agree like with how, that. How too. many times? How many times have the Flyers hired a guy? Like, when the fly like like no, hear me out. Like uh, the most recent one I can think of that falls in line with this is okay. How many times have the Flyers hired a guy like Craig Berube, let's say, to be the next head coach? Where you go, he's only ever been here. He's only ever been part of this organization. Realistically, like he's played for a couple others. I'm not saying he never played for anything, but his entire coach group, like grooming as a coach, came in this organization. So he's the natural next pick to be the head coach, and they give him one full year to kind of try it out. And what happens? You know, it goes nowhere. Like and right. and then he goes somewhere else, gets a second chance, and wins. And <laughs> sure. now he's and now he's a name that's being talked about as a potential free agent because he's not signed through this year. And St. Louis apparently, again, another crossing broad thing that's been out there has a budget. Right. So let's see what uh, happens with that. I guess, but like, well, but but here's the other thing about Baruby. Baruby also falls into the. Like Rick Tockett played at the tail end of the bullies kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and and Baruby certainly as an enforcer type falls into line with that style. Briere being a modern type player, who again whose game was predicated around speed and skill at that time, also comes in to me having had interest and being known around the league as a rising star oh, management yeah. candidate. That you go. This isn't your same old Flyers management candidate thing. Like they like they've grew. This is you picking up a stud. This is no, but this is a guy who you've given the reins to for a team in the minors. You know, okay, maybe you did it in a weird sort of way, and I say that in the sense of you did it by oh, the team that owns the Flyers also bought the team that you're gonna run. Right. Here it is. It's it's like it's like being the rich dad who hands your kid the keys to the mansion for to the the lesser mansion in Maine. While we keep the mansion in Philly, right? right? Like, it's a little bit like that. But when somebody else becomes interested in that person, you value them a lot more. So when he almost got the Montreal job, that was a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, that's where I go with that. So we will see where that goes. I mean, more than that, like, it's pretty obvious he's going to be in this role at least through the rest of the year. And then you go, what happens next? Yep. Because... There's certainly a lot of possibilities. I turned around and I even said, don't be surprised if his name comes up a lot as a GM candidate. Not just because, like, with with an uncertain future around the rest of where the organization goes. And, look, we can sit there and talk about, again, like we mentioned last week's show. The press conference was the dominant topic. And, you know, Dave Scott says, Chuck's my guy and all that stuff. But how much weight does that really hold in the long run? Yep. And, like, that's kind of the thing. And yeah, we'll see and, where it goes. And that's um, one of the things... Yep. Well, I'm letting you wrap this part up, and then I was going to just hit the Winter Olympics thing really quick. And yeah, we'll hit the oh, the Winter Olympics real quick. Uh, we do actually have to head to a wrap here pretty quickly. So uh, Winter Olympics, there's been a couple of games. Uh, we teased – we talked a little bit about uh, Canada versus women – or Canada versus U.S. in women's hockey Yeah, as kind of the, the premium matchup that we're looking for over in that division. Uh, the men kick off in a, a couple of days here. Uh, yeah, it's going to so be exciting. The, yeah, the women and the women's game is on Monday night again. The U.S. Canada women's game, and then realistically, I think after that, um, again, I'll try to pull up the schedule really quick here so we can get to a quick wrap. Um, but I believe that that's the last like 
kind of pre-tournament game. Yeah, okay. So after that women's game, that U.S.-Canada women's game, the next game that the U.S. team will play will count for... As a knockout game. Like, as a knockout game in the medal rounds, yes. So quarterfinal... And the quarterfinals apparently aren't going to be... So there won't be any hockey on in the Olympics for a handful of days. It's until, like, from Monday to Thursday. Okay. Or at least, at least I'm sorry, at least featuring the U.S. team. Right. I should say. I don't know if there's more round like round robin group plays type games leading up to that point that the U.S. just isn't involved with. Right. It's 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 one of those things. It's tough to follow the daily schedule because there's just so much. Well, happening and the other, the well, it, it's tough to follow the daily schedule because there's a lot happening, and also because of the fact that realistically speaking, I have written down that the U.S. Canada women's game is Monday, February seventh at like it, but it's at eleven o'clock at night. Realistically, it is a Tuesday game in China. In China, right. <laughs> So that's really, I guess, the story of it. And then the men's tournament is supposed to start on the 10th, right around. Okay. So so the women's tournament is going to hit the medal round on the same day that the men's tournament starts. Ooh, perfect. So by the time the medal round wraps up, you get your... Well, no, no, no. Like You're going to have quarterfinals and semifinals. So it's gonna yeah. over. It's it's all going to overlap a little bit. Um, now, in fairness, the U.S. men's team also kind of opened. They only have three games scheduled in so-called group play, if you will. And then there's this thing called the qualification playoff, which I don't even know if it's going to apply to the U.S. If I guess if they do well enough, they won't even have to play. I think that. that's like a wild card spot, right? I think it's I, no, I think it's for every, I think it's for everybody who's not who doesn't win the group, yet. right? And but the only real like I, I shouldn't say the only because so U.S. Canada for the men's is is a Friday late Friday night, so it's technically a Saturday game for in China, but it's a late Friday game. And then uh, U.S. Germany could be a fun one actually because Germany yeah it could a, be. Germany's got a little bit of an un- and 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 the U.S. team is not exactly like we said. This is not for the men's side. This is not the juggernauts that was supposed we're supposed to go. No, but- this Olympics is always going to be a little bit disappointing from no, the men's it, hockey it, perspective. But it's, but it's got a natural feel to it because of the fact that at sure. this point in time, it's the best, realistically, the best either amateur players or strictly pros that are out of the game. Like Canada's got Eric Stahl on their roster, who is not playing in the NHL and anymore. Devin obviously, Dubnik. yeah, but still, I mean. When you don't play against that level of players for a little while, if you come across a player that's that level, you might be a little rusty. Yeah, for sure. You know, and and that creates some interesting things. Actually, we're going to be able to do... Oh, yeah, that does line up beautifully. We're going to do our next show right after the gold medal men's game. Oh, perfect. Well, that leads us nicely into wrapping this one up. Uh, I will note once again that we are going to be skipping next week. Uh, we're taking a, a little bit of a, an Olympic break here. Yeah, the, point, slash... the point of that was to not do a premiere on the same night as the Super Bowl. That is also the other um, case. Well, listen, <laughs> listen, the NHL has four games scheduled that day. The Flyers are not one of them, obviously, but the NHL right. does. And that's a day when whatever's on the schedule, they get out of Dodge like by oh, 2 yeah. o'clock in the afternoon. Like you don't start a game later than two o'clock in the afternoon, so as to not interfere with the, sl- the time slot of that football game. So, yep, we're gonna do the same thing. We are also gonna dodge that matchup. We will be back in two weeks. We'll be premiering at eight o'clock on the YouTube channel, barring any technical difficulties. <laughs> so you can find us there uh, over on the YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. That is down right below me. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, as is at Kevin underscore Durso, make sure to follow him. Follow at Sports Talk PHL because we're over there. And at Flyer Delphia, too. You can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, SportstalkPhilly.com. We're all over the place. You can find us anywhere. And uh, we will find you in a couple of weeks. We'll see you.